Hey guys, and welcome to episode number 67 of the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. You're joined by your hosts, Tierra and Jack. And before we get stuck into the Q&A, we just wanted to remind you guys that if you do enjoy the episode, please remember to repost it on your Instagram story and tag myself, tag Tierra, tag the Bodybuilding Dietitians. Also, if you are interested in learning more about our coaching options, then please head over to our website, www.thebodybuildingdietitians.com. You can also find the link in any of our Instagram bios as well or in the show notes below. Fantastic. Okay, guys, so we've got another Q&A episode lined up for you today. And this first question is pretty much relevant to the entire world. So it asks, how are you guys coping with the whole COVID situation? And what's your best advice for people in the fitness industry coping with the closure of all the gyms? So yeah, we can safely say that we're safe and healthy, fortunately, and all of our family members are, which is great. And I think we're coping with it very well, considering that the reality is we worked from home, we trained 10 minutes away. So it's not like we uh, went out very frequently anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the only, the major difference for us is that we now have a home gym and that's about it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we certainly aren't like everyone else out there. I certainly wouldn't say that we are ordinary because like you said, the only real change to our, you know, routine is that we don't walk to World's Gym Brisbane anymore. We just walk into our dining room. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very convenient, but Oh yeah, I still definitely miss training at the gym. It's uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, even even I'd if take I take it back in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, even if I had everything at home, I think I, I still like getting out of the house and mm-hmm. going to train amongst other people as well. Yeah, I think it's just really, it just really pays off to be able to put yourself in a different environment, you know, and separate your house from the gym and uh, really just be able to go to a very specific place to be able to train, you know, and get into that mindset and have that training atmosphere. I really like obviously having equipment at home is freaking awesome, especially given the circumstances right now, but I don't think that you can replace an actual gym. Yeah, it's tough unless you're like the rock. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He like flies around with his gym. (laughs) But yeah, for those of you who don't know, who don't follow us on Instagram, we basically bought quite a few pieces of equipment. So we have a squat rack. We have not an Olympic barbell, but a standard barbell about like 140 kilos in weight, which is pretty good. Some adjustable dumbbells, a little bench lap pull down setup as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're doing well. Yeah. It even has a preacher curl machine, which mm. is pretty good. But yeah. Yeah, basically that's all you really need, you know? So when Jack and I got this message here in Australia, this was about what, about a week and a half ago now? Yeah, it would have been on, yeah, a week and a half on Sunday. Yeah, last Sunday night, we got the message that uh, they were going to be closing down all of the gyms at midday the following day. And Jack and I were just like, we're going to have to build our own gym. So literally we got on Gumtree straight away the next day and just started purchasing equipment, right? Just anything that we could get our hands on. And we are so fortunate that we got in there early, right? Yeah, it was pretty hectic. We were speaking to the buyers and they were getting like, like 50 messages in five minutes. It was crazy. And somehow they picked ours, even though we weren't even first. So (laughs) yeah, we're very lucky. And it has been, for anyone who's been trying to purchase stuff, it has been pretty 
crazy because like we went to like uh, power plus fitness which is just a standalone fitness store and like their completely complete warehouse was sold out they had like empty boxes out the front people were like there were probably 30 or 40 people there when Mm -hmm. we went so but i am so happy for you know businesses like that especially you know family-owned businesses who all along they've always been selling gym equipment right but right now they've really hit the jackpot Mm. so i'm really happy for them yeah and i liked that they didn't the prices were still very standard they weren't they didn't elevate them like you see these people Mm -hmm. on gumtree selling like weight plates for like ten dollars a kilo so a twenty (laughs) dollar kilo 20 kilo plate is $200 or something. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. They're certainly taking advantage of people because, you know, people will buy it because people are desperate right now. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, even looking on like all the Gym Direct or any other online fitness store like American Mm -hmm. Australian Barbell Co, Mm -hmm. everything is sold out. Yeah. And even in that case, you know, if you're buying things online and have to get it delivered, unfortunately, there is such a demand for it right now that there's probably like a three to four week waiting period before you can even get your equipment if it's still in stock. So gosh, I, I really feel for people who are in that position right now where they've ordered and paid for equipment, but they still have to wait a few more weeks. But yeah, boy, we are so lucky that uh, we got on Gumtree straight away, bought this stuff. I probably did persuade some of these dudes, you know, who are just getting the average message like, hey, I'm interested in your barbell. Is it still available? Like I'm Tierra, and I would type out a message like, hi, my partner and I are extremely passionate bodybuilders, you know, and we would absolutely love to purchase your barbell. I'll send you the money right away. We can pick it up today. And um, I, hopefully that's why they picked us out of like the 100 people spamming. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> my enthusiasm does come through texts and emails, that's for sure. But Yeah, man. So pretty much we uh, moved everything out of our dining room. It's now in our living room, which is pretty cramped. But with social isolation, Jack and I and our two dogs are the only ones in the house. So it's all good. And uh, we've turned our dining room into a little gym. So yeah, I I was a bit worried about the floorboards because we do have a wooden floor and we're in a Queenslander. So it's like up on stilts. But we've tried to be smart and like evenly distribute the weights so that it doesn't uh, break the floor because my biggest fear is just Jack doing like 160 kilogram RDLs or something and then accidentally just re-racking it a bit too heavy and crack just goes our floor and Jack falls through the house. So let's try to it's avoid like a cartoon. <laughs> Literally, dude, it would be like a cartoon. So and, I would die then. And like there'd be that hole in the ground and then all that smoke would come up and yeah. Yeah, it's not... <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. not going to happen, hopefully. But. Yeah, avoid it at all costs. But yeah, we're coping with it. I'd say we're coping with it all right. Obviously, it sucks, you know, just having pretty much freedom being taken away from you in a sense. They've, they're coming down with heavier restrictions every single day because in the past two weeks, it's gone from 500 people in one place to 100 people to 10 people to two people and now they're putting restrictions on you know you can't have more than one person in your house or you can't walk outside with more than one person and there's only eight reasons here in Queensland why you're actually allowed to leave your house or you can be fined upwards of $11,000 and be sent to prison so shit man it's getting serious. Yeah, the COVID-19 in general is serious. Like there's a lot of people just saying, oh, it's the flu. But 
It really isn't. It's not the flu. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like, why don't we close down and self-isolate for the flu every year if it's mm-hmm. if it is just the flu? So treat it seriously and stay indoors if you don't have anything better to do. Um, and definitely check up to date with the WHO or your local government regulations. Like, for example, we have the eight reasons why we're able to go outside. If we if say we're going to I don't know the swimming pool or something then we'll yeah. get fined 11k yeah so. well even yeah the swimming pools are closed everything's kind of closed we can't even go to the dog beach so <laughs> yeah well <laughs> those poor dogs we can't play fetch <laughs> so now is a good point to move on and discuss what you can do if you don't have much gym equipment at home or you're looking to purchase some so optimally obviously the best thing would be if you live in a house or if you have space in your apartment then purchase like a squat rack a bench a barbell some weights and of course that's the the most optimal like one there's going to be expensive especially now like a a few weeks later uh, after gyms have closed and obviously the space aspect as well and like apartment regulations and all that so we got to factor that in and if that's not an option then probably the next best thing would be banded workouts Mm -hmm. yeah definitely honestly if you guys are fortunate enough to get your hands on a barbell a few plates some adjustable dumbbells maybe a bench you know you're pretty much set you can do so many different exercises to target your entire body and continue to progressively overload with just those few basic pieces of equipment right and Your program is really going to be about taking it back to basics, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So if you are in that position, you know, Jack, what are some main exercises you think people can really plan on just continuing to do and trying to continue to progress with? Yeah. So if we talk about like chest uh, or push, pull and legs, so like maybe chest, back, shoulders, quads and hamstrings. So if you just have a barbell, uh, not even a bench, like remember you can use a lot of things as a bench, like even, I don't know, I know my brother at his house, he's using a piano stool because it's shaped very similarly to a bench. Dude, that is so smart. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so obviously chest, if you don't have a bench, then you can just do a barbell floor press for chest and for shoulders, standing shoulder press, that's very easy. For back, you can do barbell row. And for uh, a vertical pulling movement, you can do Mm pull-ups. And I'll be very surprised if someone says, I can't do pull-ups anywhere in my house because that's just, or apartment, because that's just being a bit lazy and non-inventive. Yeah, you should be able to find something to hang off and pull yourself up on. (laughs) Yeah. And unless you weigh like a hundred over a hundred kilos and that's yeah. getting a bit tough, but mm. maybe you have a resistance band and you can do assisted pull-ups. <laughs> yeah. And okay. So quads and hamstrings, obviously barbell squat. One of my clients has even set up two chairs, puts his barbell on the chairs and then does a front squat. Mm. Cause obviously the tough part is getting the barbell on your back. So that way front squats, one, you don't have to load them as much. And two, you don't have to get quite as high as you would in a traditional barbell back squat. Another one that I've learned from uh, Brandon Kempter posted about, it's the barbell hack squat, which is really, I was surprised at how quad dominant that was. You don't have to use quite as much load as a back squat either. So can you explain to people how you do that? 
So essentially you put your feet in front of the barbell, uh, grip the barbell a fairly neutral grip about shoulder width or slightly wider. So the barbell is gonna be behind you and basically it's almost like a, a deadlift sort of motion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, I mean, you need to keep your back tight, especially your upper back tight so you don't round your back, yeah. but you, you're pretty, predominantly driving with your quads. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is tough, but uh, watch out for your ankles because that's what I found. I was like, oh God, I keep hitting my calves with the barbell. It kind of yeah, hurts. It is, <laughs> you will scrape, scrape your hamstrings and stuff, mm-hmm. but if you want big quads, then... Yeah, just do it, man. Tierra is not willing to sacrifice for the quads. Maybe I just need to put on some like really thick socks or something. We're in our own house. It doesn't matter what we look like. <laughs> and so hamstrings hamstrings that's easy again like a barbell rdl or i've been doing staggered rdls as well because you Mm. don't have to load them as much Mm. so yeah. or even like a barbell good morning and you know lunges guys you can do lunges or you can even do some barbell split squats too so those will uh definitely target those quads Mm. (laughs) yeah again it's just about maybe it's not even thinking about outside the box because it is fairly simple like Mm. you have a barbell like just kind of think about what pushing, pulling, yeah. uh, to be honest, most of these exercises you're likely doing in the gym anyway, right? Mm. If you're doing a lot of barbell compound work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, It just might not be quite as optimal. So yeah, Yeah. even with us, like we kind of don't know exactly how much our bar weighs or each of the plates. So we're kind of totally going off RP. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So in terms of, if you don't have a barbell on some plates. I think from what I've seen, quite a few people do, which is really awesome. And if you don't, then the next best option, as we said, would be a banded workout. So Mm -hmm. again, it's really about finding the best situation for you and making these exercises as hard as they can be. So whether that's using a unilateral movement. So for example, if you're doing a banded barbell row, like, and it's too easy, just do a single arm row, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So like, or a staggered RDL with a band or a single leg squat or uh, banded pushups. So Mm -hmm. yeah, there's always a way. Yeah, absolutely. Or I've seen so many people do a lot of like leg extensions, leg curls with the band as well. And those certainly uh, can be very uh, tough Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you have enough resistance on your band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, we said this last week, we'll repeat it again quickly in case people didn't listen, but essentially you don't have to go off your normal rep schemes as well. You can work up to like 30, 40 reps and do like three plus sets as well in order Mm -hmm. to keep the volume high, still keep the intensity high in terms of your RPE. But of course you won't have the same mechanical tension, which is the the load you would have on the Mm -hmm. bar. Yeah, exactly. So for all of my clients in this past week who I've had to completely change their programs and write home workout programs, honestly, like the number one feedback thing I've gotten is these are so mm. hard. Like I've gotten the same. Yeah, thing, yeah, like they're like honestly, these are tougher than my gym workouts, and it's because because we don't have as much weight to lift, and that part is compromised. We obviously have to do more volume, so more sets, more reps, and uh, there is a huge cardiovascular component. So these people, you know, people just generally aren't used to getting their heart rate up this high when doing something like a shoulder press or, you know, a squat or something. Mm. And the fact that we're saying it's okay to go to go to failure as well, like mm. that's also yeah. very hard, of course. Yeah, exactly. And usually we wouldn't promote that very often in the yeah. gym. Yeah, but like the injury risk is so much lower if you're going to failure with a resistance band compared to something like a barbell, right? Mm. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, like banded squats, banded push-ups, mm-hmm. yeah. 
But honestly, I love the movement that the entire fitness industry has taken because everyone's just demonstrating truly how passionate they are about health and fitness and going to the gym and just exercising in general. And it is amazing, guys, the amount of resources that are out there now, just like every freaking fitness and influencer on the block, on Instagram, on YouTube, everyone, it's all just home workouts. So there are so many ideas and programs out there, you know, so there are a heck of a lot of resources, a heck of a lot of people embracing this, trying to help each other. And I love that. I think it's an amazing thing to see. Yeah, it is really good. And it's, yeah, it is amazing. Like the amount of just from the business perspective as well, it's pretty incredible. Like it's probably literally is a once in a lifetime thing we'll probably see. Mm-hmm. But on the topic of COVID, I think we've covered enough on the exercise component and, and what you can do at home. Something I did want to bring up is actually a lot of people on social media and supplement companies, influencers are all promoting certain products or what you can do in order to like one, reduce your risk of catching covid so for example oh have some vitamin d it w- it'll you won't catch covid or anything <laughs> like that and the other is uh basically improving your outcome of having it so like only having it for one week instead of six weeks or um reducing mortality rate and stuff like that awkward moment when you uh, supplement with vitamin d and then covid catches you <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I know I've seen this too, you know, all these supplements saying boost your immune system, protect yourself. Guys, like the immune system, right? It Again, you don't have to buy any sort of expensive magic pill, honestly, to boost your immune system or just to have a healthy immune system in general. Again, it's always going back to the basics, eating a nutritious diet full of plant-based foods, sleeping enough, regularly exercising, but not overtraining, you know, managing your stress. So that's really the key to uh, having a good immune system. You don't Mm. need to, especially the amount of people that have lost their jobs right now due to COVID-19, whatever money you have left, please do not be scammed by these companies. And remember as well that COVID is a, a virus. So you don't, it's not something that comes on like diabetes, which is due to uh, poor nutritional choices or exercise. It You either catch it or you don't. So like mm. it's, it's due to germs, if you want to say it. So yeah. that's where uh, doing sanitary practices is more important than taking a supplement. Absolutely. Yeah. Boosting your immune system or having a good immune system, really practicing good hygiene. So washing your hands, washing your food when you buy it at the supermarket. Just don't go around touching things. Okay. Uh, yeah, just <laughs> keep your hands to yourself. Keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, guys, uh, I think that's I think that's a pretty good thing to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like basically what Tierra said, sleep, um, staying healthy, exercise, stress mm-hmm. management as well. Mm-hmm. So those are the things you need to be practicing and potential we will i guess disclaim that sure if you are deficient in something like mm. vitamin d then yes supplementing with vitamin d is good and it probably will help yeah but luckily you know all of the countries in the northern hemisphere you guys are going into summer right now so you've got sufficient sunshine just going out in your backyard if you're not allowed to leave your house or hopefully going out on your deck or sitting near an open window, trying to get some rays of sunlight because we get the majority of vitamin D from the sunlight. We get around, we produce around 90% of our vitamin D, right? In our skin and our liver and our kidneys help with that too. But uh, we only get around 10% from our diet. So 
yeah, just getting enough sunlight. And luckily here in Australia, even though we're going into winter, we always got sun here and other mm -hmm. countries, you know, in the uh, Southern hemisphere. So yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're deficient in something, obviously, then you do need to probably get on top of that. So number one would be eating a food source with that nutrient. But if that's out, out of the question, you know, then obviously supplementing, but it's more than likely this probably would have been an issue before the whole COVID-19 because this has really just escalated in the last few weeks. Yep. And as we know, deficiencies, they aren't acute, you know, they're, they happen quite chronically over a long period of time. You've got to be deficient in something for a long time. Yeah, for sure. So moving on to probably another topic now, I think we've spoken quite a lot about COVID and you're probably seeing it all over social media and the news. So we'll move on to some different questions. Awesome. Okay, so moving on to this first one, which should raise some pretty good discussions. It asks, is a whole foods, high carb, low fat diet not good for someone who isn't very active? Yeah, this is an interesting one because uh, my father, who's a gastroenterologist, he brings this up with us quite a lot. And we haven't really had that much of an in-depth discussion on it, but he is, he does promote the, I don't want to speak for him at all because I want him to get him on the podcast, but he does probably promote the Mediterranean diet quite a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll, we'll talk about our opinions. So as you know, we recommend for people who do resistance training, uh, we recommend like a higher carb, uh, lower fat approach. So fat being probably anything up to one gram per kilo body mm -hmm. weight, slightly higher, um, protein anywhere from like two to two and a half grams per kilo and the rest is carbs. So which is quite a high carb diet. Mm -hmm. And the main reason we do that is because carbohydrate is the main fuel source used f during resistance training because it's anaerobic style training. And that is the main reason. And the second, the second main reason is just because uh, it reduces the likelihood of excess dietary fat being as stored as fat. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And even when you think about if you have an athlete on, you know, one gram per kilogram of body weight of fat, that's not necessarily low. You know, even if you had a girl who is 60 kilograms, that's still 60 mm. grams of fat per day. If you've got a guy who's 80 kilograms, that's 80 grams of fat per day. And I also just want to make clear that in the literature, anything that is below 40, so pretty much the carbohydrate recommendations are to consume 45 to 65% of your total calories from carbohydrates, right? And anything below that 45% in the literature is considered a low carb diet. However, it, that's not significantly low carb. Mm, and it's not keto or anything. No, absolutely not. And even if you had, let's say, 50% of your total calories coming from carbohydrates, and the recommendation for protein is to consume 15 to 25% of your calories from protein, and then dietary fat should make up 20 to 35% of your total calories. So even if you had 50% from carbs, right, and you went towards the higher end of 25% of protein, that's still 25% of your total calories are coming from fat. And let's say that you had a girl, right, or even a guy consuming like 2000 calories per day, 25% of his calories coming from fat is still around 56 grams of fat per day, which I would argue that's not significantly low. Uh, if I've done my maths right, but 
Yeah, mm. so just want to yeah, make that clear. <laughs> it's really only when you start getting to like quite a large intake where, so for example, if I'm eating, I'm not eating 5K at the moment purely because my steps are embarrassingly <laughs> low, uh, but... <laughs> we blame isolation. <laughs> but like a, a month ago, I was probably eating about 5K a day. So um, 20% of that is 1,000 and that's about 90 grams of fat then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, around that. Yeah, (laughs) approximately 90 grams of fat. um, And I'm eating 80. So I'll be eating below the 20 to 35%. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, say if you're eating 2,500, it's much easier to fit in that range. It's all about the context of your diet and your total calories. It it really comes down to your specific situation. That's why sometimes I do uh, struggle with these, you know, these very specific numbers and guidelines. But hey, they are there with a purpose and obviously they are there to prevent chronic disease and they're to promote healthy eating which is very appropriate for the average individual and yeah i completely agree with that and i would definitely say that if you aren't exercising regularly but then again like if you're trying to be healthy you should be exercising but if you're not exercising very good point (laughs) (laughs) if you're if you're not exercising competitively if you're just running walking um playing sport recreationally then you definitely don't need to follow a high high carb diet approach Mm -hmm. you could have you could have carbs at 45 percent and fat at 35 percent protein at 15 Mm percent or whatever approximately uh so it doesn't it doesn't really matter what matters most is is your energy availability uh within your guidelines for gaining losing or maintaining weight are you eating a sufficient amount of fruits vegetables whole grains covering your nutritional basis so again pretty much every answer we say nutrition wise is bring it kind of back to that yeah absolutely and yeah, if you're if you're not being very active, if you do live quite a sedentary lifestyle, like number two, number two things, <laughs> the top two things really are going to be total energy intake through calories and protein intake. And then, you know, fats and carbohydrates can kind of land where they may coming down to personal preference. But I would still be a higher advocate just because of the types of foods that carbohydrates come from, I would still generally be a bigger advocate for probably going towards a high, higher carbohydrate intake compared to a higher fat intake, right? Because that does promote you to eat more fruits, vegetables, whole grains, lentils. You know, you get a, a much larger diversity of fibers. And, uh, you know, obviously we, we've talked about this, how much that helps with the gut microbiome. Because if you're going to get your calories from somewhere, like... I would just encourage you to get them from more plant-based foods that do have more carbohydrates in them than fat in them because it's just going to provide you with a wider abundance of nutrients, more fiber. It's going to be a heck of a lot more satiating. But even in saying that, we're not saying that you don't consume any fat, right? You can still consume fat in your diet. So you can still have nuts and seeds and olive oil and oily fish and an egg here and there and, you know, full fat dairy, all that jazz. So it's not an all or nothing. It really, like with these numbers, 25%, 25%, 45%, like there's still so much flexibility for incorporating different types of foods with different macronutrient ratios. So it's not like it's all carbs, no fat. Mm, For sure. I think that's a pretty good answer. And the only thing I would add is if you are, sedentary and you are consuming lots of carbohydrates you are having frequent blood glucose spikes and 
which potentially isn't that great for your insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. So, But even then, you'd have to speak to a dietitian and do a dietary recall and see where are these carbohydrates coming from. Because like, is someone sitting at their desk at work and are they munching on carrot sticks? Or, you know, are they eating lolly snakes? You should load of carrot sticks to raise your blood glucose. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> or how many carrots are you eating? Or how many snakes are you eating? So, like, it doesn't just come down to the macros, right? You really have to look at where... People what, in the U.S. might not eating? know what you mean by snakes um are you eating candy are you eating sitting at your desk eating candy or are you eating carrots yeah cool so yeah if we we are dietitians so if you need a dietary recall then if you didn't know you know we are, we are bodybuilding dietitians by the way cool so let's move on to the next question Okay, so uh, this is a good one, and it's related to carbohydrates again, one of our favorite topics and favorite macros. Um, So it says, can really high-carb, low-fat diets cause the feeling full but still hungry feeling? I hope you understand. Do you understand? Mm, Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we're going to talk about the satiety index, but... First, I want to address the feeling full but still hungry comment. And for me and Tiara, that sort of red flags like one, uh, the lower body body fat circumstance where your ghrelin is high and leptin is low. Those are your hunger hormones and potentially also like disordered eating as well. So the first one being in a comp prep or dieting in general, like you will eat a lot of high volume food. So like, like let's say a massive salad or a tin of beans or whatever, which are both very satiating yet your, your stomach will have expanded. Like you can feel your stomach is very full, but you'll still want to eat more. Yeah. Well, I can certainly speak to this because, you know, after just going through over six months of comp prep and utilizing and eating a lot of these high volume foods throughout that time, right? Sure, they made me feel very satiated and uh, they definitely helped to keep my hunger levels at bay. But because overall I was still in a constant energy deficit, my body fat percentage was progressively getting lower and lower. I still always had that tingling feeling of, yeah, I could eat, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, if if you put something in front of me and like, I wasn't trying to adhere to my macros, like, of course I could eat that, right? So, uh, I can certainly attest to that. Yeah, I can certainly remember that feeling as well. And it is completely normal in your in that dieting process and once body fat levels get that low. And the second option, uh, which some people might be familiar with, is just the disordered eating, the um, binging tendencies where you just keep eating and you just want to keep eating more. And by no means is this related to the question asker. It's just Uh, Mm -hmm. we always try and give a a spectrum of answers to each question. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to make because, you know, when someone is in a comp prep and yes, body fat percentages are low, hence leptin is lower because leptin is produced by our fat cells and ghrelin's higher, then yes, your hunger levels will be higher. But sometimes people who go through uh, binge eating disorders, right, or like bulimia, they can still be of a pretty relatively healthy body fat percentage where it's a lot more psychological, the reasoning behind why they want to eat copious amounts of food and why even if they do eat very high volumes of food, they still feel like they just want to eat more. Mm, For sure. So that sort of covers part one of this answer to the question 
And part two is sort of related to the, or it is related to the satiety index. So the satiety index, Jack, what is the satiety index? So it is essentially a list of foods or food groups that's designated by their satiety levels, which is essentially how full you are. Yeah, so pretty much they've done a whole bunch of different tests where they feed these very lucky subjects an abundance of food and they get to rate, you know, how full were you after you ate that food? So they're giving these people everything from potatoes, fruit, pasta, breads, donuts, croissants, you know, everything you can imagine and pretty much they eat it and then they rate how hungry are they after that meal. Mm, so basically the most satiating foods are higher fiber carbohydrate based foods so things like uh, boiled potatoes or legumes like baked beans mm -hmm. oats as well of course yeah so believe it or not guys boiled potatoes are actually ranked as the most satiating food on the planet so don't fear potatoes they uh should certainly do the job when it comes to satiation <laughs> hmm. And then next down the list after those higher fiber foods are like a mixture of fat and protein. So like mm -hmm. eggs, cheese. Mm -hmm. Yeah, full fat dairy. So pretty much it goes like the most satiating foods are high fiber, generally high carbohydrate. And you know, when you're consuming things like whole grains, these generally have high protein too, but they're pretty generally low fat. And then in the middle, you've got protein and fats. Those are pretty much the second most satiating. The least satiating food, guys, is the types of foods that are highly palatable, which means that they are very high in fat, very high in carbohydrates, but very low in fiber, very low in protein. So we're talking about things like donuts, croissants, right? Those things that you feel like just like melt in your mouth and you could just eat forever. So they are the least satiating foods. Ice cream ice cream, even Mars ice cream, bars. Mars bars, <laughs> the list goes on. So at the end of the day, to actually answer the question in relation to the satiety index, if you are having very satiating foods and you're still getting that, uh, where your stomach is full, but you're still hungry, then I would sort of relate it to the tendencies that we spoke before, either being in low body fat or having disordered eating tendencies. And Otherwise, I would sort of expect you to uh, be eating highly palatable foods and not really maximizing the volume or the fiber aspect. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if we aren't talking about someone who is going through a comp prep or someone who is dieting and we're just talking about, you know, your general healthy individual who's like, you know, a normal body fat percentage and regularly exercises and they're pretty much at maintenance calories, but they still feel like they're just always hungry. Again, dietitians. I do a very detailed dietary recall with this person and be able to easily pinpoint like very specific things that they're eating and perhaps discuss strategies and modifications they could potentially make to their diet to include, you know, higher volume foods that have more fiber, that have a higher protein component. That would be really useful. That would be really useful. We're we're <laughs> a good use to society. <laughs> Society, not... <laughs> okay, I guess we are a good use to satiety as well, but we're also very good use to so society. society. Yes, the satiety society. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Eat your vegetables, okay? You'll feel better. Okay, so the next question is, does hypnosis actually work in relation to weight loss and health and fitness habits? 
Of course it does. <laughs> How do you think Tierra is so determined? Yeah, exactly. Literally, Jack just like swung this watch in front of my face one day and bam, I was ready to compete. <laughs> in all honesty, though, we have no idea. Dude, I've got no clue. <laughs> do you think, do you believe in hypnosis? Is it something yes. you can believe in? It's not, it's a, yeah, it's a science, I think. It's a it's part of psychology. Yeah. I don't know. I'm speaking of speaking shit, but like <laughs> I have seen people hypnotized before and it looks legit. In real life or on YouTube? In real life. In real life? Yeah. When did you see someone hypnotized in real life? <laughs> it was at a conference and they, they're the guest person as like a entertainment. He was a hypnotist and they, yeah, it was... Uh, Okay, I'll tell a little story. But <laughs> <laughs> Please tell the story. <laughs> he brought people up on to the, the um, stage and he had this, I think it was like a pet mice or something uh, or mouse. And he basically convinced the person that um, he stamped on the mouse. Oh, or that's mice, not very nice. <laughs> and, but it was actually like a cardboard cutout of it or whatever. And the person like burst into tears and stuff like that and like, Oh my I don't gosh. know. I did a bad description of it, but okay. <laughs> that's quite the story, Jack. <laughs> I think the well, the only time I've ever seen hypnosis or someone being hypnotized, this was like years ago. If you guys live in Australia, maybe they have this show overseas as well. Do you remember Big Brother? No, I Big don't. Brother. I've never heard of that. Yeah, right. Okay. Anyway, the TV show Big Brother. They had it here years ago. Um, but I think. One time they had this hypnotist, if that's his name, um, he went on to the show and he hypnotized some of the characters, participants, participants the house members, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the big brother mates anyway. And they like, they were hypnotized and then they, and he convinced them that this big box of onions was apples or something. And they were all eating these yeah. onions. Oh, they actually saw a video on YouTube yeah. just like that. He, he fed someone uh lemon and they thought it was an orange because he was saying it's very yeah, sweet yeah jesus okay well maybe this is right maybe we should believe in it but um i i think i'd have to be hypnotized to believe mm. it so if anyone out there you know has this skill hit me up i will pay <laughs> i want to see what it's like dude you know life experiences but uh we got to stick to that social distancing so you got to hold your watch at least 1.5 meters away from my face <laughs> very cool Super duper. Okay, guys. So that's going to be a wrap for those Q&As. Uh, but Jack, one thing that we learned this week. What do you learn this week? So I learned that uh, dogs fortunately cannot catch COVID. And I think pets in general can't. Woohoo! Yeah, because that was a, uh, a little myth going around, wasn't it? That mm. like you shouldn't pat someone else's dog because, you know, you might get COVID well, from the dog. You, well, that's the thing. I'm still uncertain about if the owner has COVID and then they touch the dog, then the dog could transfer mm -hmm. it. I'm still not, because just like a carpet can, <laughs> like I assume dog fur might be similar to that. So, but we know that dogs can't have it. Yes. Okay. So dog, so if Sam kisses our face, we know that we're not going to get COVID if she got it from someone down the street, but she wouldn't have gotten it from someone down the street. Oh, you've lost me. Okay. Well, no, but okay. So you know how they've done these studies, right? Where they've looked at how long can COVID last on certain surfaces and like it can't last for more than 24 hours on cardboard, but it can last for a few days on things like plastic and steel. I wonder if they tested dog fur. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah, if Sam, if someone pats her in the park and maybe she licks them and then she licks us, that's what I'm concerned yeah. about. Well, gratefully, you know, all the, uh, well, unfortunately, but grateful in some sense because we're not going to get coronavirus touch wood um actually 
how long does coronavirus last on wood? <laughs> Don't touch anything. Wash your hands. <laughs> but yeah, all dog parks have uh, been shut. So all playgrounds. You can't do much these days, but um, hopefully, you know, the world is safe because of it and we can go back to normal sooner because of it. Hopefully you're locked up with someone you like. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully a nice dog too. That doesn't bark too much. <laughs> uh, so what did you learn this week? Oh, this week, I think I've just learned to not speak too soon, to be honest. Like I can't say I, I've learned to not speak at all because otherwise this podcast uh, wouldn't have much audio. But yeah, so I've learned to just not speak too soon because literally last Sunday when Jack and I recorded our podcast, so we're like, woohoo, our gym is still open. Hope it doesn't get shut. Like that would suck. Literally a few hours later, they're like, all gyms are shutting down. And I'm like, what the? <laughs> so I just, I can't really say anything. And uh, yeah, I don't think anyone at this point, unless they're a government official and they're releasing a media release or something, right? You can't really say anything. You know, people ask each other these, this question, like, how, like, what do you think is going to happen next? Or how long do you think this is like going to go on for? Exactly. If you're down in Melbourne, you're, you know, you're like, do you think that it's going to rain today? It's like, God, do I know? Or just have to wait and see. Because <laughs> like, mm. you don't, we don't know. People are saying, how long do you think this is going to go on for? One month, two months, six months. And I'm like, whatever number I say, yeah, I'm just a bodybuilding dietitian, man. Don't ask me these serious questions. <laughs> but yeah, guys, um, can't speak too soon. We just got to wait and see what's going to happen. But hopefully everyone on listening to this is in good health. Hopefully, yeah, you are locked up with someone that you can tolerate. Um, and yeah, so thank you very much for tuning in to episode 67 of the podcast today. If you did enjoy it, please take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag myself, tag Jack, tag the bodybuilding dietitians, and we'll catch you next week. See you guys.